Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. It's, it's important that we're reminded, even in the state of affairs that's going on in the world, that Jesus Christ still sits on the throne. Thanks for bringing that word. And it was uh, really encouraging that you read from that psalm, uh, sing to him a new song. There's new life that's happening all around us. We just got to see it, don't we? So this morning, uh, Brandon, you're going to click the next slide, my friend. We're, we're going to take a moment. About a year ago in September, a year ago this September, we embarked on something, a journey that seemed to resonate with some of you. And uh, I've been sensing in the last couple weeks that we needed to do this. And so we're going to pause for a pulse. You know, how you make sure that you're alive, right? You, you take your pulse. When you're, when you're laid out, EMTs come, and they take your pulse to make sure. What, what are the vitals? What are the signs for you? Well, one more slide, Brendan. We're going to ask you questions and we're going to take a pause before we even jump into the lesson we before we even get into the message and I'm going to encourage you to take out your phones or a piece of paper Android or if you have an iPhone have an app in your phone that allows you to take notes and I'm going to ask that you engage in this moment because for many of us according to Dr. Brene Brown 70% of people do not know what their emotions are. They can't verbalize their emotion. They can't tell you what they're feeling. So self-awareness is one of those things that we, as human beings, but God has given us that ability to reflect, to reason. We're starting for awareness of who we are. So I'm going to ask you to answer a few questions. How's your body? In this moment, what are you aware of? I talked to somebody already this morning and said, I'm, I'm just really tired. Like I'm physically exhausted. I haven't been able to catch my breath this weekend. Some of you came in really excited. But I'm asking you to take a pulse of your body. Like what, what does your body feel? Your heart, your head. What are the thoughts going through your head right now? What are you thinking? When you woke up this morning, what were the first things that came to mind for you? Are you thinking about getting out of here as quick as possible? What's going through your mind? Three, question three. Your heart. How's your heart? How's your soul? Is it thin? Is it hemorrhaging? 
Do you feel like you've been giving a whole lot and haven't received a whole lot in your life lately? Or maybe you've been receiving a lot of things in your life from a lot of the wrong places. Are you connected, intimate with the Lord? Or do you feel like there's a huge chasm between you and God? Lastly, your relationships. All of you have key relationships in your life. The most withdrawn person has key relationships in their life. Could be your best friend, could be your daughter, could be your son. What are your key relationships and how are they? Are they healthy? Are they whole? Are they fractured? Is there discord, bitterness between you? Resentment? Just take a gauge of the people in your life and I'm going to let you pause. I ask that you answer these questions. You're not going to share these with anybody else. three or four minutes and I'd like for you to engage in these questions would you mind ready set go Give you another couple minutes. Be honest with yourself. We lie to ourselves more often than anyone else. Be honest with yourself. another minute. You've just gauged where you are, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally. More often than not, your life, if you're not retired, your life is high-paced, especially if you're in your teens or your 20s. Your life is high-paced, you move from one thing to another, to another, to another. Very rarely do we pause to take stock of 
where we are. This is an exercise that you can do even as you're moving from one thing to another. Because this will help you regulate you. And so all those things that you just typed in your phone, if you engage in the exercise, or if you just had your arms folded and you thought about it, we're going to take a moment and I'm going to ask that you pray over you. Pray over what's going on in your world, what's going on in your mind, and invite God into it, okay? So would you mind doing that? Bow your heads for just a moment. Don't wait for me to pray. You pray. You have that conversation. I'll let you talk to him. Jesus, I'll admit, as soon as I walked in the doors, my mind went everywhere. My stress level went up, and it continued to be up. Even after having conversation with you on the way here that I trust you. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it, Jesus? But Lord, I ask that you collect my thoughts and you collect our thoughts that we focus in on the author and perfecter of our faith and that in this moment that all of us collectively and individually engage with God engage with you through your word through the message through the lessons and even in this moment God you're near speak today. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. God is not surprised by what surprises you. Let me repeat that for just a second. God isn't surprised by what surprises you. This past Friday evening, I uh, received a text message from Michael Krause, who was our summer intern who was actually supposed to be standing in the spot today. And he said, Strep is taking me down. I said, okay, what's your call? Make the decision, what do you wanna do? He said, I can't make it. I said, good deal, we got your back. So yesterday, as I'm driving down to Xenia to hang out with family, to watch the Buckeyes destroy Penn State, it wasn't much of a destruction at all. It was a tough game, it was a good game began to reflect, began to process. And my prayer was, God, nothing surprises you. You knew well before I did what was going to take place this weekend. You knew Michael was going to go down. You knew I wasn't going to change my plans because I was going to be with family. Family's important. You knew it all. You knew this was last minute. You are not surprised by what surprises us. Uncannily, it was 10 years ago, today, that I stood before you on orange carpet for the very first time as your pastor. 
In fact, this Christmas ornament was given to me by your very own Ruth Smith. And in the ornament, October 20th, 2013, welcome to our new pastor, Stephen Ambrose. And it even has the, the verse on the back that I used that day. I started to reflect. Of, I actually stood on top of a 12-foot ladder on that very first Sunday and dropped a clay pot on the floor and basically caused a heart attack in some of you. And so for many of you, you weren't here 10 years ago. In fact, I look around the room and I would say about 80% of you were not in this room 10 years ago. Most of you have shown up in the last four or five years. A lot of you even showed up for the first time today. And I, I just want to say, you are brave people. <laughs> Somebody loves you enough to invite you in. And so this morning, we're just going to look over our collective shoulder for just a moment. And remember what we often forget. And for those of you that weren't here, you're going to get a very short glimpse of where we were 10 years ago. 10 years ago, <laughs> you remember those kids that were sitting up here? That's just our elementary class. 10 years ago, there were, we averaged five kids from first to fifth grade. In fact, there were three, there were, there were three 20 somethings about five kids, and the average age of this group of people was 65 years old. You were without a pastor for about a year, and with a stroke of insanity, you chose to hire a 36-year-old who didn't know what he was doing. In fact, I admitted such a year and a half later, when I spoke to my boss, the district superintendent at the time, Jeff Kunzelman, at a global leadership summit, he said, hey, I hear some good things happen at Wapak Nas. And I said, dead in the eye, looking him dead in the eye, I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he laughed it off. I said, seriously, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I admit today, 10 years later, I have no idea what I'm doing. In fact, I want to encourage you that if you have no idea what you're doing in life, that's okay. Having no idea of what you're doing is not an excuse to do nothing. Do something. Do something that is worth doing. So, I didn't know what I didn't know. You didn't know what you didn't know. So what do we know to do? Pray. And that's what we did. We prayed. I know it's cliche, but it is church after all. Right? We prayed. Those pillars that were 65 and older 
and some of them that were a little younger. Week in, week out, on Sunday night, we gathered together, whether it was three, two, 10, 15. Some of you who are sitting here today were a part of that group. And you prayed. You prayed and asked God to do things that were beyond your capacity and your ability and your capabilities. And you believed that God would do what we asked. Jesus even says, ask, seek, knock. It'll be given to you. You'll find it. Door's going to be open. So you prayed. You prayed that there would be a continual movement of the Holy Spirit in His people and through His people. You asked God to bring people back to Christ. You asked God to save people, to redeem people, to renew people. You asked God to breathe life into us. And this is where we land. If you want to open up the scripture, you can. I'm briefly going to touch here, and we're going to come off the tarmac from here and go to a couple different places through the scriptures this morning. But this is a moment in scripture in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. It's in the New Testament. If you have your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, pull out your phone. There's Bible apps that you can choose. YouVersion is a great Bible app that you can have daily access to and get devotions. John chapter 20. And we're going to go in verse 21. And this is a moment where the movement seemed to stall. It was Resurrection Sunday, which we call Easter Sunday. This was the Sunday that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But his disciples, those intimate followers, those 11 guys that spent so much time with Jesus, and then some of those on the peripheral, they were still in grief. They were still in shock because they knew that Jesus Christ had died on the cross and was buried in the ground. And they were scratching their head in confusion going, what's going on? We're hearing word that Jesus is alive. We don't understand it. And let me just tell you, it's, it's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? That someone who was dead was resurrected. But we have so many witnesses to the fact that it happened. It's kind of hard not to believe as well. So we have a group of disciples in a room and they're locked. They're, they're locked for fear of what's going on outside because they think what happened to their, their leader would happen to them. Verse 19. I went back a couple verses if you didn't catch that. On the evening of that first day of the week, that would be Sunday, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. 
let's, let's not miss that for a second. Jesus entered the room not through a door. He didn't enter the room through a window that they hadn't latched. Jesus walked through walls. Praying prayers as big as our God beyond our capabilities, capacities, and abilities, that's our God. He appeared before his disciples. He said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, just in case they weren't sure that this was the same guy. He showed the scars. He showed where the nails were. He showed where they pierced his side with a spear. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. It's kind of a halitosis moment. That must have smelled really bad because he'd been in the grave for three days. It's nasty. Don't do that. But here, he breathed on them and it was symbolic of something very important that happened in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. When God formed man out of the dust of the earth in his image and then he breathed life into them. Jesus literally just breathed his Holy Spirit into his disciples. But did you catch it? As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. See, 10 years ago, we didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know what we were doing. This is my first pastorate. And I'm just going to be straight up with you. This is not what I had planned for my life. This is not what I wanted to do with my life. What did I want to do? I have no idea. Oh, I didn't know. But I knew I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to speak every Sunday. I didn't want to have the weight and responsibility of being a pastor. You know, when, when, when you actually say that you're a pastor, when people ask you, what do you do for a living? And you say you're a pastor. It's like there's repellent that actually happens in that moment from your words. And they just back up and they put up their guard because they don't want to talk to you now. You believe in some weird stuff. You believe in something that isn't tangible and physical that you can touch. And then they think that you're, you're going to proselytize them and bring them into the fold. Well, yeah, we do want that to happen, but we want to love you. So 10 years ago, this was not what I had on my agenda. Maybe you have an agenda in your life. Maybe you think you know what you want to do. Let me just encourage you. That God may have something way more important for you to do than what you have in mind. If you can do it on your own, let me just tell you, it's not worth doing. If you can do it in your own strength, you can do it with your own intellect, you can do it with your own imagination, creativity, 
probably not worth doing. Because it's on the edge of that. Where you begin to experience something much greater than yourself. So we prayed. What prayer does, should do, should move you into action. We don't just sit and wait for things to materialize out of nowhere. God calls us to action. Even in this moment, on that first week of the day, uh, uh, the first day of the week, the first resurrection Sunday, before he breathed on them by giving them and empowering them with the Holy Spirit, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. In English. You're not meant to sit. You're not meant to be pew sitters or chair sitters. That's not why you were born. That's not why you exist. And so we didn't know what we didn't know, so we tried to do things that we had never done before. Why? Because we wanted to engage with people. We wanted to love people. We wanted to talk with people. So we walked out in the freezing cold and delivered cookies to our neighbors. Hey, did you get your free cookies? Let me just tell you, there were a lot of doors that were slammed in our face. It's fine. But some people get, some people's reaction was, free cookie? Well, why are you doing that? Well, there's that church on the corner of Court and Benton Street. We just want to love you. We sweated our butt off at uh, Faith Fit and Healthy and the Summer Moon Fest by handing out bottles of water to people because it was really hot. We just engaged with people. We had conversations. You did muffin business, muffet basket business blast in our community a couple times where we went around. And we just blessed businesses and we thanked them for being in our community. Because let me just tell you, as a business owner, it's, it's tough. You collected school supplies for elementary students. You collected hats and gloves and scarves for kids that didn't have hats, gloves, and scarves when winter came on. You provided meals for the junior highs, junior hires who weren't getting fed Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You collected funds for books for Cuba, for pecky pecky boats in the Amazon. We didn't know what we were doing, but we weren't going to do nothing. So we were going to do something. And we were going to do something good in our community and in our region, in the world, in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what we did. We prayed and we did something. Are you doing nothing today? I just want to encourage you to do something. Do something good in the name of something much bigger than you. Not in the name of Wapak Nas. Not in the name of the, your employer, but someone much greater than you. And so, we didn't know what we didn't know. We started to do what we tried to do. At that point in time, we didn't have a nursery open. We didn't have a treasure bay open, which is our preschool. And so, just several months in, you guys opened up a nursery and a preschool room for Sunday morning children's church. And we divided those first and 
through fifth grade, and sometimes those preschoolers, we divided them, putting them in their age groups, and you staffed it. Even in, when no one showed up, you staffed it. You stood there at the door waiting for your guest, waiting for people to come in. And when you looked at the clock and no one was there, 15 minutes in, you came back down and you prayed and you, you worshiped the Lord. But then, in a matter of a few weeks of opening it up, we had few kids in, in Treasure Bay. We had a, a, someone in the nursery. There were no newborns and infants in this place whatsoever. But God wanted to move among his people. God wants to move among you and in your life. But sometimes he's waiting for you to move, too. He's just waiting for you to expand and open that door for yourself. And then he'll enter in. Folks, 10 years, I've learned some lessons. Bless you. I've learned a lot of lessons, and I'm going to kind of slide into a wrapping up because there's 10 years. You can't, there's so many lessons and so many things that have happened over the course of 10 years that a 40-minute message will not be able to, to describe what has happened. You took a risk on me, my wife. You took a risk on hiring Matthew and brought Chris in. And if you're ever here on a Wednesday, you can see 15 to 25 teenagers chasing after each other like they are in junior high, but they're high schoolers, which is weird. But you can see them loving each other and growing in Christ. You can see them serving here on a Sunday and even through the week. So, some of the lessons that, that I want to bring to your attention that, you know what, when you, when you reflect on your life, you often ask some questions. What would you do the same? What would you do differently? What would you do more of? What would you do less of? What wouldn't you do that you did that just didn't work? We need to reflect on our life, to glean the lessons of our life. And one of the first lessons that I learned comes from my mentor that I spent about six years with, once a month, having coffee, and he constantly told me, relax, just relax. I'm young, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm trying to figure it out. Just relax. Busy, being busy doesn't produce anything, right? Being busy just to be busy doesn't produce anything. Relax. Well, if I want to spiritualize it for a second, Solomon said in Proverbs, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. What I've started to do, I wish I did early. Just relax. Trust that God knows what he's doing. 
Trust that he knows better than you. Trust that whatever comes your way has already been filtered through him already. What may surprise you doesn't surprise him at all. Just relax. Relax. It's not on your shoulders. It's not on you. See, religion has this way of convincing us that it's what we do or what we don't do. What we do gets us to God. And if we do all the do's, sometimes we're not even sure if we got to them. But Christianity is way different than this. It's not what you do and what you don't do. It's what's been done on behalf of you. By Christ. Sacrificing himself on the cross. That was done for you. For all of humanity. So Ambrose, are you saying it, it's really not about religion at all? It's more relationship than anything. Because when you get in relationship with someone who sacrificed himself for you, your motivations change. Your intentions change. Why you do what you do and why you don't do what you do has completely shifted. You're motivated out of love and honor and joy. Not obligation. That's relationship. That's not religion. It's okay. The other important lesson I've learned is that it's all about people. It's all about people. See, Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples, and somebody interrupted that conversation. Wanted to test Jesus. Turn the screws on him a little bit. He said, what's the greatest commandment? Now, in the Old Testament, there's 613 commandments. Is that right? 613. Yep. Give or take. There's a lot. That's where the do and the don'ts come into, right? He said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Love God with your all. It's like the hokey pokey and you put your whole self in. Love God with your whole self. For some of you, you don't even know what the hokey pokey is. It just shows my age. But then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. It's all about people, man. That's what Jesus did on the cross. It was for humanity and for you. Your people. It's all about people. Once you get this, once you realize that your life is not about success, your life isn't about the money that you will accrue or the cars that you can soup up, it isn't the muscles that you can build in your body, it isn't the things that you possess. When you realize that life is about people, it changes your life. 
that your life was given to you, not for you. Changes everything. It shifts your mind. It shifts the way you live. It shifts what you do with your own time, your private time. Jesus said it was all about people. But the other side of this is you can't take everyone with you. As I said, there's probably about 60 to 70% of you, maybe a little bit more in here on today, that weren't here 10 years ago. Not everybody's going to go with you. Jesus had a conversation with a, a rich young man. Spent his life making money. But he knew that there was something missing in his life. So he came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? Religion. Jesus said, you know the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten. Not just the football conference. The Big Ten. You know the, the Ten Commandments. And he lists a few of them and he said, I've kept those my whole life. And Jesus said, well, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor. Then follow me. Now this is the only person that Jesus had an interaction with in the Gospels where he, he told him to sell everything and give it to the poor. This man dropped his head, walked away sad. See, Jesus didn't go after him. Jesus clearly set the standard for him. And in fact, Jesus got to the heart of the matter with this individual because it's the heart that matters. And clearly, it was his wealth and his possessions that were getting in the way. So Jesus shot straight. He didn't mince words. And he walked away sad. One of the Gospels said that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Love. It's a very interesting thing, isn't it? Because love actually allows you to choose what you want. Even though it's not the best for you. Jesus explained the best for him. And he walked away. See, there's a hope and a future that we had 10 years ago. And there's a hope and a future that we have today as a congregation. But that hope and future cannot be sacrificed for those who choose not to go forward and stay the same, to stay who they are. God's always going to move forward. It's whether or not you choose to go with Him or not. So, here we are today, 10 years. 
what hasn't changed and what will never change is that we will always, always stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That message has never changed. Jesus Christ crucified, dead and buried. And on the third day, oh, he rose from the dead. He died on the cross for your sin and my sin. To offer you grace. Mercy. Not judgment. To offer you meaning and significance with your life. To give you new life. To experience it now. And not wait. And not wait. To have it today. So. There's more that I could say and I'm not going to say. Bless you. Goodness. We keep it simple. That's who we are. We're not trying to be anybody else than we are. It's been simple. It's been straightforward. And it will continue to be simple and straightforward here. Not being anybody, anybody else than we are. Standing firm on that gospel. So today, I ask you, are you praying prayers? Bigger than your capabilities, your capacities, and your abilities. Are you living for something much, much greater than yourself? Is your life about people, not just you? When's the last time you paid the cost for someone else? It's time to dream dreams. To have a hope and a future in your life if you don't already have one. God has not been surprised whatsoever by your life. But he wants to offer you something much greater than what you're living today. Would you mind just bowing your heads for just a moment? You may have been coming here for years and you have yet to move outside of religion. You just continue to come Sunday after Sunday because you've been forced to because you're here at home if you don't. Today's the day you flip the switch and you realize that God just deeply desires a relationship with you. Maybe today this is your first time in here and there was something said that made you realize that, man, there's something missing in me. There's something in my life that, that, that's missing from my life and man, I want it. I'm here to tell you it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. So let's move from, from a void in your soul, from a void in your heart, 
Let's move from religion to relationship today. And this is your opportunity to cross that line of faith. To step into something greater than yourself. To, to engage in a relationship with the one who, is, who was and is and is to come. The Lord God Almighty. If that's you today. I'm going to ask that you pray something very simple. This isn't, there's nothing magical about it. It's all about the sincerity of your heart and the truth that you speak when you speak it. Just pray along with me if that's you. Jesus, for the first time, I've realized that it's it's you that's been missing from my life. I've been trying to do it myself. But I need you. I need you today. So Jesus, I give you my life today. Just as you gave your life for me, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Because even though it may not make sense to me, I do know that you died for my sin. And Lord, Will you give me your life, that new life? I believe that you rose from the dead, that you are alive and well. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, and Jesus has entered your life, I'm asking that you be very bold and you make eye contact with me and just raise your hand will you please that's you Jesus for the rest of us Lord help our lives be about people May we just relax and trust you. And you know what you're doing. Nothing surprises you. You hem us in behind and before. You've already gone before us. You're going to come behind us. That you're walking with us and you live within us. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth of the scriptures. That you are with us. And Lord, there's a hope and a future for us to grasp a hold of. But we must seek your heart. And move just as you move. We are called to be sent. So Lord, the people in this room, may their life reflect you. And be a life worth emulating and living. Because of the life that you have given. I love you, Jesus.
and I trust you. I thank you that 10 years ago, we even believed at one point, if things don't change here, we're dead. But Lord, you have breathed new life over the course of the last 10 years. And Lord God, I'm so excited about the new life that will happen and unfold in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the months, in the years to come. Lord, thank you. Because we have intention and purpose being planted right here on the corner of Court and Benton Street in Wapakoneta. May this place and these people have this gravity that pulls others into it. That this is a, a group of people that is light and healing for those around them that will speak truth and extend grace and love generously. Because they've been impacted by Jesus Christ. I love you, Father. It is in your name that we ask this morning, maybe this afternoon, I don't know. Amen. Hey, would you please stand? Man, you're so awesome. You're so good. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself this week? May your life be bigger than just for you. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.